We welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. How was your President's Day long weekend? That was good. Uh, wrapped up our minor hockey season. Ooh. We had playoffs this weekend, and uh, how'd nice you guys, how'd you guys that, do? Uh, well, we went. It was a round robin to get to the championship. We went one, one, and one, and did not advance. Ooh. So they probably is it like tiebreakers? Like going goals for differential, all that. Yeah, or, yeah. we we lost it the first game in OT, which didn't help us. Mm-hmm. So. so the season's over. Yeah, I had to pick up a couple kids off the ice crying, and oh yeah, that's tough. They're certainly upset. So that's yeah. uh, that's the way it goes. But it's definitely some good lessons this year, and season's over. That's what it's all about: the, the yeah. learning lessons as a young young player. Is uh, like for us up here, Frank. The season obviously goes a lot longer. Is it always end in like late February for you? Our, yeah, our season starts a lot earlier than yours. Gotcha. We have training camp in August, and our first games are like that first weekend of September. So it does end a little sooner. And one thing we do backwards is having tryouts in three weeks. <laughs> so that's for next year tryouts. Uh, do, do the kids move up a, like an age category or how does it work? Some do, some don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, try, hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Tryouts wow. March 20 something. So it's. Why, why do they right, do that? I have no idea. It makes no sense. Hmm. I wish it weren't the case because what you end up having is. A lot of times at the end of the year, some splintered teams, everyone's trying to go their own way, politicking. It's not, we don't have any sort of uh, location restrictions. Like mm. it's not rep hockey where you can only come from a certain area or play at a certain rank. You can go anywhere. So you have, you know, someone doesn't like the coach, they go to the next place. Someone wants to play with their buddies, they go over here. And there's like this constant recruiting going on kind of throughout the season. Like people are talking, hey, will you come play at this rink or that rink? And it gets exhausting because, you know, people start making plans in November for the following season. And you're like, guys, we just started this one. What's wrong with you? Well, yeah, interesting, different to to say the least. Frank Saravalli with us on Sports fourteen forty. I don't know if it was uh, President's Day, Frank, uh, Family Day up here, but it seemed a lot of high scoring games yesterday in the NHL with some uh, big big numbers put up. Most notably, the uh, Vancouver Minnesota game. What'd you make of that one? Ten seven. <laughs> the Wild scored six goals in a span of five minutes and forty five seconds. It was a, pardon the pun and the dad joke, a wild game. (laughs) And I think more interesting than all of that is to take a step back and consider where the wild are at. I think right now they're the favorites for the eighth seed in the West. (laughs) They're only a couple points back. They've played well. They're getting a little bit healthier. And, you know, this is a team that last year, the last two years was a hundred plus point team by definition and where they are in the race, they're going to have to play well to get in. I'm wondering if they could be a really interesting live first round upset Mm -hmm. if they do get in based on how well they would have had to play down the stretch. I kind of agree with you. They're, they're just sneaky. They're big. Uh, they've got some speed as well. And I, I always look at it like how Bill Guerin has done this. He's kind of had, you know, not playing with a full One deck. One hand tied behind yeah. his back. He's not playing with a full deck with, uh, you know, with the Prize and, and Suter. So um, yep. how, how's he done it then? He's done it by drafting well. Uh, he's done it by making really smart trades. I mean, how good does that Brock Faber trade look right mm-hmm. now? You got Faber and a first for Fiala. I mean, there's no chance that, the Kings and wild would trade Faber 
for Fiala straight up right now, mm-hmm. let alone add in a first round pick. I mean, Faber is playing 26 minutes a night yeah. and is giving Connor Bedard a real run for his money in the Calder tro- in the uh, Calder Trophy race. So, to me, um, they've relied on young players. If you're going to be a team that's capped out and has those significant dead cap space issues, you've got to have players playing well and contributing on entry level contracts. That's been part of it. And look, um, this season to me for Minnesota is really all about injuries. It's it's not just their poor play to start the year, which also caused them to fire their coach. Um, that part happens. The Oilers saw that and have worked through it. Um, the other part has just been missing significant players for significant chunks of time. I mean, you're talking about half their defense core missing for a stretch. No Philip Gustafson relying on near 40 year old, um, Mark Andre Fleury. Like there's been a lot of different things that have popped up this year, kind of working against Minnesota that, I think they have the ability to get to the other side of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt, Matt Boley's having a phenomenal season too. Uh, but he, he wasn't before the coaching change. No, he, you're right. He's come on in the last bit, but he's really, really uh, proven to be uh, you know a, a top player on that roster. Uh, and and so you you mentioned um, like just look at the numbers since the coaching mm-hmm. change for Boldy, but the Oilers are 29 and nine since they made their coaching change. Minnesota is 20, 13, and 2. Mm-hmm. So still pretty good. Yeah, really good. Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. You know, Frank, we we're, we talked quite a bit about the situation in Arizona because the Oilers played there yesterday and won, obviously, 6-3. You uh, mean Oilers Nation took over Wasn't Arizona. it something? What do you think? Like, I mean, the whole building was Oilers fans, it seemed. Well, the nation vacation certainly yeah. helped. Uh, that was a big part of it. I love seeing all those guys uh, as part of the broadcast every time they do something or score a goal. <laughs> um, what do I make of this situation? It's a well, nice novelty. Yeah. it's. Uh, but I'm, that's it. Yeah. You know, I guess I'll be, I'll be honest, Frank. I'd sort of kind of remove myself from it just because the Oilers hadn't played there for so long. You know what I mean? So it's but so I really, really kind of concentrated on on it yesterday. And again, it just it stinks. The whole situation stinks. I mean, it's it's nice for fans, and I would highly recommend. Mm-hmm. You know, probably lost the opportunity now, or maybe have to see an, an NHL game in that type of environment. But it, I, I think I was really supportive of them making the move there as a temporary stopgap. Mm-hmm. If you had been able to build your arena in Tempe before you lost resoundingly your referendum vote. Had you, you know, been able to get steel and in the ground and shovels in the ground, I'd feel a lot differently about the scenario. You're like, Hey, let's, let's enjoy this unique environment, but without a long-term solution in place, they don't feel like an NHL franchise. They just don't. And I can tell you that players, they don't feel that way. Um, They're not, even the primary tenant in their own arena right now. And Mm -hmm. it's a college hockey arena. So um, it's a, it's a tough spot, I think to leave that team in for any lengthy period of time, which I think the NHL is getting to the bottom of. Well, Frank, we're 19 days or so up to the uh, trade deadline. Any more rumblings out of Calgary, I guess, is uh, Noah Hannafin still atop your trade target board? He is, and yeah, Noah Hannafin is going to be on the move. Uh, we've gone down this path far enough to understand that that's going to be the case. 
uh, the other side of the all-star break. Everyone's kept quiet about it. The Flames haven't said much. The Hannafin camp hasn't said much. But absent an extension, that's certainly where it's trending. And he is the number one impact defenseman available. Chris Tanev, also rental, is just behind him at number two. Mm-hmm. And the Flames are in a good spot that way. But I think what they've had some trouble developing is a market for Hannafin because he is going to be expensive mm-hmm. and because not every team that's a contending team needs a left shot guy. And I think now you add in the wrinkle that he wants to focus on playing in the U.S. and the teams that have been involved in the mix believe that his preferred destination is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. I don't. Th- I just don't think the Lightning have the assets to pull it off. They don't have a first round pick until twenty twenty six. So if you go into this thinking that Noah Hannafin in the summer wants to sign in Tampa Bay, and let's just say that's a hypothetical for now because no one's confirmed it, are you really going to give up a ton to get him as a pure rental, knowing mm-hmm. that he's absolutely going to be moving on? Yeah. Uh, do they have room to sign him? I think they can find a way. Um, they have the Steven Stamco situation to figure out, but I think they have somewhere around 11 or 12 million bucks. And um, Hannafin is obviously going to be chewing up a chunk of that at, you know, in, in a Canadian yeah. market, he was at seven and a half. If the Florida tax situation comes in, is he closer to six and a half or six? Um, then that leaves you a chunk of change to sign Stamkos. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe that's part of their thought process. I don't think Stamkos is going anywhere. I know what he said at the beginning of this season. I think they want to fill some other needs first and then come back to him and say, hey, more or less, this is what we have remaining for you. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to accept that? Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. Tons of um, um, news, I guess, out of Pittsburgh with so many angles with uh, Gensel and uh, Yager was there. Uh, just your thoughts on uh, like a busy kind of a couple of days with the uh, news from Pittsburgh. I would say a flawless weekend <laughs> for the Penguins. They it was so well orchestrated between the warm up, the practice, the ceremony itself. I thought they did such an excellent job with that. And it was a long time coming. Like Yarmir Yager, not only was he has he been focused on playing for his team that he owns in, in Czechia, but more than that, I think he was nervous to come back, not knowing how Penguins fans were going to treat him. And he remembers hearing the boos, you know, especially when he was with the Flyers and uh, came back for that that one season that really drove a, a stake through the heart of Penguin fans. Mm-hmm. And um, to see the love that he got, to see – I love – like I've got so much time for Yammer Yager. Spending that one year around him on a daily basis in Philly, what a warm and genuine human being who has accomplished so much. He really changed his life, changed his viewpoints, and I can't say enough good things about him. It was really cool to see him, you know – finally kind of brought home, so to speak, to his rightful place in Pittsburgh. And uh, Austin Matthews in Toronto, Frank, just continues to light the lamp. Uh, he's nearing 50, 49 right now. What do you think he finishes at? 72. Ooh, you're going over 70, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's on pace for 74, 75 mm-hmm. right now. Obviously, 
the only thing that I think the only thing that's going to get in his way potentially is health. And so knock on wood for him and the Leafs that, that, you know, he remains healthy, but he scored with a confidence and swagger that it's almost like effortless watching him score that it's crazy. Uh Uh, Just one quick note on the Oilers in Boston tomorrow, Frank, we'll probably uh, touch base with it with you on that game on Thursday when we, uh, when we get you back here. But, uh, Whenever Boston comes to town, it's a big deal around here, and you know. So uh, just why is re- that? Well, is it I, you of know the what? Cup final matchup? It, no, I think it's there's just so many Boston fans that are from a lot from Northern Saskatchewan, a lot from that come into the game. I, I see just as many Bruins jerseys as you know. It's not like the Leafs, but why it, do you think that is? I don't know. I and maybe it maybe you're right because it goes maybe back to the eighties. Bobby Orr fans from back in the day. I don't know, but every time Boston comes, you see tons and tons of Bruins fans, and they come in for the game specifically. So wow, um, I don't I don't know Did what not it know is. That. Yeah, it's you'll you'll notice it tomorrow, and you'll see uh, when you watch the broadcast. It'll be a late game for you, ten o'clock your time. But I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's it, I mean, and and in Boston's you know they were had a little bit of a lull here, but and then we were talking. We had Spec on a little earlier too, and you know Jake DeBrus comes home. So he's got a lot, a big following here, yep. obviously. So we're looking forward to this one. What about you? Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, you watch even just this road trip, like there were some moments for the Oilers that, um, you know, I think a lot of people were wondering how they'd size up against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Right. And there were some shaky moments in that game, but they find a way. And then they didn't really look great to start against Arizona and, and finish strong. So, I think there's lots to point to some really positive signs for a team that everything went well for so long that when they've hit a bit of a rough patch, they've still been able to navigate out of it. And that part has been really, I think, important for Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Frank, thanks for this. Uh, We will chat with you on Thursday. Have a good one, big guy. Talk to you then, Kevin.